PhD in molecular biology from a faculty of medicine. She's been a freelance medical journalist for 22 years, and she's written a few pieces about the whole COVID-19 crisis, panic, whatever you want to call it. Um, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Let's make one little correction. It's fine. I was yes. a medical journalist for 22 years. Now I'm an investigative journalist. So I pivoted about four years ago, but okay. I still obviously do write about medicine. So yes. Yes. That. Okay. Okay. Um, so in the, the piece that caught my attention was, and we're not going to focus on this, but I think the discussion has sort of moved beyond this, but the piece that caught my attention is was titled, Where's the Evidence Supporting the Drastic Measures Against COVID-19? And you lay out this was this was before um, even more evidence has come out showing that you know the lockdowns really have not had had much of an impact, if if any at all, before Sweden had really had time to sort of go forward with what it's doing. Um, and you know, one of the things that um, that you wrote about in here was uh, event 201. And so I was wondering if maybe we could start with that, uh, start by just talking what that was and why that's important um, and how it relates to what we're seeing today. Sure, I'd be happy to talk about that, Brittany. Um, the, uh, it was held in October, 2019. And it was an event um, featuring a small sort of, there's an audience and then a small number, like 15 people at a main, like the head table, I guess, arranged in a square. And there are videos online, I can send you a link and, and uh, of the event and also descriptions of it. And it was organized, it was a global pandemic exercise. It was a simulation of a pandemic featuring a novel coronavirus and how it spread around the world. And the, the, the sponsors of the event were the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the, uh, the World Economic Forum, and the, John, and the Center for Health Security at the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Public Health. And, it's, and, and you, I'm like, I'm sure you brought up Event 201 because the way that scenario or, you know, profile of how this pandemic rolled out is strikingly similar to what happened uh, at this Event 201 simulation. And, and and including the collapse of the world economy and the focus of this um, simulation was how companies can capitalize on those opportunities to sort of take over supply chains for for um, you know the equipment associated with dealing with the pandemic and also the um, the media relations strategy which was, which is laid out in at event two hundred one there was a big focus on on flooding the zone so making sure there were daily press conferences on behalf of public health officials and, and you know, at all levels of government, different public health officials and um, community leaders and politicians and daily press conferences. And lo and behold, that's exactly what we have is, is those daily press conferences. And when you have so much information coming forth and the media usually follow like a pack, so they're there at all these press conferences. So there's no room for any real in-depth coverage or for any other alternative views of things to gain traction. It's just all these public officials and they're strikingly uh, pressing the same messages wherever you are in the world. It's, it's flattening the curve and how dangerous the virus is and how many deaths there are gonna be. And, um, and, and also at this, um, at the event 201, uh, they endorsed the idea of having the, these public health officials and other people who are going to be kind of the voice of the, of the epidemic or the crises be trained in advance in terms of the responses. 
And as it happens, another coincidence is that the uh, the Bloomberg again Bloomberg there was the um, uh, Bloomberg was one of was I mentioning that that Bloomberg is one of the um, organizers of the uh, event 201. Well, the Johns Hopkins Bloomberg School of Health, and there was also Bloomberg President meeting, I believe. Um, now, Bill Bloomberg Philanthropy is coordinating weekly um, video conferences with mayors around the world and other city officials and other officials talking about the, the crisis management and emergency responses to this pandemic. So, and that started uh, right the week after the declaration of the pandemic by the WHO, World Health Organization. So so when when you when you say it like that, when you put it out there like that, <clears throat> I mean it almost makes it sound like they created this, which sounds completely crazy. So how 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 do you make sense of this? How do you look at what they did and and you know what do you think actually happened here? Well, I don't know. I mean, there are simulations all the time of things. So I don't, and I don't know how the virus was created, even though, but even now mainstream media are coming out saying, well, maybe this was, this virus was uh, bioengineered. Um, and where did it come from? Did it come from China? Did it come from the US? Um, and, and, and some people think, oh my God, there's no such thing as biowarfare and this engine, this. So I don't, I don't really know. It's hard to tell. I wasn't there at event uh, 201. I, anybody can watch the videos and I don't know what goes on behind close doors and I can't not in the head of Bill Gates or Michael Bloomberg but it's a matter of going hmm isn't that interesting yes simulations all happen all the time but isn't it almost eerily what an eerie coincidence that a pandemic very similar to what we see now with the novel coronavirus is happening when they just did this simulation in October of a, a pandemic with a novel coronavirus and at the event to a one similar, very eerily similar things were discussed as we're seeing now, like coordination of public uh, messaging from all levels of government and all levels of public health officials with a similar messaging to, you know, flattening the curve. And it's very similar in many different uh, regions of the, of the world in which streaks speaks to some coordination. I mean, whatever one thinks of this, it's strikingly similar to use flattening the curve and and then everything that, that you know, that we must do mass testing first for viral RNA and then for antibodies to uh, the virus. And the fact that at Event 201, you can see in the videos, there is um, the head of Edelman Public Relations really endorses the idea of doing daily press conferences with officials to flood the zone um, so that there's no other narratives can gain traction. So that what and there's just so much information flying forth from these daily press conferences and news releases and the media just chase these press conferences like a like a pack like they usually do so there's no room for other information to get through um so and also about how these companies will capitalize on this on this um pandemic for example henry shine is a company and they were well represented at event 201 as it happens they have the um the right now to uh, their test, they have an antibody test, their medical, they supply medical equipment and tests and everything. So their antibody test is the one that has the right to do be the antibody test used in the States, or the primary one. So <laughs> just, I don't know, a person could say, come on, that's a coincidence. And besides, this would have happened anyway, but uh, there's just a big coincidence. Yeah. And it's also, let's follow the money, like in anything, you got to follow the money. 
and see who's benefiting. Yeah. Yeah. And well, speaking of that, um, I mean, you mentioned that that the model, their simulation included global economic collapse. So mm. what we've seen play out in real time, though, is that, um, you know, there was the virus. The virus didn't cause global economic collapse. Government responses have caused economic disaster for a number of people that's still on, you know, we're still yet to feel a lot of the impact of that. But that was, that wasn't something that, that the virus was responsible for. So are you saying that in their model, they predicted that governments would respond this way? And then what, what was it that caused the economic collapse in their models? That's a good question. I, I maybe I need to go watch the videos and because of the yes, whatever, just the the reactions of the government, I guess, to this, and it just because that that to me that makes it all the more kind of obscene. If if there are people who modeled this out and who knew this was going to happen, who knew that if we took these actions, this is going to be the impact on the economy, you know that that makes it even worse to, to my mind. Right. Um. Just. Now, now I do have to go watch those videos. Yeah. Um, so, so you talked a little bit about about testing, and then they also talked about how you know what every life is sacred. It doesn't the cost doesn't matter, which is exactly what we're seeing. It's been blown out of the water. The idea that um, the cost uh, you have to look at the cost of of the measures taken, what you know the medical measures, etc., and what is the cost of society of all those measures that like we do have done for decades. You can't just take everything and throw everything at it you have to say what are the cost benefits yes lives are matter of course every life matters but we all there's scarce public dollars that should be taken into equation that's completely erased in this so that's yeah and just and the fact that you know when when millions of people are thrown out of work and you know so many businesses go under i mean here in the u.s you know, small farms in particular are just are getting hit really badly. And when that happens, that costs lives, too. It's not just money. You know, that's yeah. people are in. It's going to it costs in terms of, of health, livelihood, and it can cost lives. So this idea that it's, you know, lives versus money is such a false dichotomy. There's no thinking to the equation. What are the, what's the health consequences, physical, emotional, financial of what's the measures that have been taken. That's that's striking. Yeah, you're right. That's not part of the equation. Yeah. So, um, but I'd like to move forward into what's coming next. So um, you mentioned uh, antibody testing and this, you know, that everybody's talking about this now. We've got to test everybody. What's the story there? What's how it, in, in this simulation in event 201, was that a part of it? Was there was there talk of like mandated testing or widespread testing? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look at that, uh, but um, I don't know. But I mean, it's uh, it's certainly happening now, and it seems to be endorsed. And and then it's hard to tell. Like there was John Ioannidis, uh, who's been quoted saying, you know, he's got a good view of things. Then he and he says, look, that we're the responses are over there's an overreaction to, to um, the coronavirus, but he, he did a, a study that's been widely, widely hailed out of California, talking about how they did sampling, antibody testing, and that in fact, there's a far higher proportion of the population that's been exposed to COVID and developed antibodies. 
to the novel coronavirus than than the official numbers of cases, you know, people who have been infected uh, say. So, but the, um, which is so that means the actual the death the the, the ratio of people who die is lower because there's a the number of deaths divided by the right. have it. So if you so there's it's a less fatal, but it also sort of seems to endorse the idea of going. We should go around and test everybody's antibodies, which we don't do that with the flu. And where is the cost? The question of invasion of people's rights and people's bodies, and and what's going to happen with his blood? And then that feeds right into the concept endorsed by Bill Gates in a, in a very revelatory, shocking in a way, March twenty fourth interview in which he. He talks about many things, including saying we don't want too many people exposed to the coronavirus because whoever the we is, um, because then they will be immune to it. And and well, you know, he talks about we're going to make money from from antivirals and from uh, vaccines. And he also talks about the idea that we're going to need everybody's going to need an immunity certificate or immunity passport where they won't be able to travel, won't be able to go out unless they're shown if they have the certificate proving immunity. So that ties in with the antibody testing. Now it's being widely hailed as yes, we even in Sweden, which I before thought was a really kind of a right a decent approach. Like let's people let it go through the population, let people develop. The vast majority of people uh, just it's benign to those people, and it's not a disease by the way. It's an infection, not a disease. Let them be exposed to it. Let them develop antibodies. So when they're exposed to that the, to the novel coronavirus again, they'll be immune to it. And, but in Sweden, so they've done that, but now they're saying, um, well, now we're going to do, we're doing wider and wider uh, testing. And we're also going to endorse the idea of having um, these immunity passports. So either, either I don't know, it's hard to tell. The WHO <laughs> loves them now, didn't love them before. So was this- Right, that was a bizarre turnout. What? Yeah, that was a bizarre turn. I my 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 ears kind of went up when I saw the Who praising Sweden. It's like, oh my God, what do they have up their sleeve? But yeah, I mean, maybe they're being put forward as as the as the model, which you know, great. They should be the model for not imposing lockdowns. But now they're going to do this immunity passport thing, and oh, we should all follow that, and everybody should get on board with that. Um, which leads to then everybody has to have a vaccine because they're now busy saying, I was just I'm writing an article about this for another outlet that, well, you know, just being naturally exposed to the coronavirus and you get antibodies, those antibodies probably don't work. So they're, in other words, hurting everybody, hurting everybody towards you have to vaccinate because that confers real. Uh, right. Real which is so how how is it that I mean, you're you're a biologist Um how is it that if the natural antibodies, and I understand that, you know, antibodies aren't the whole picture for immunity. I, I, I get that. But how is it that antibodies acquired naturally won't fight off a particular pathogen, but antibodies from a vaccine will? Does that even make sense? No, <laughs> it's the short answer. I mean, and then they say that they bring in all sorts of things like, well, people get reinfected, but I have to check into, uh, there was something that just came out the last few days out of South Korea. Yes, I saw that. That there is no, they don't get reinfected and, and that, that you don't have, the, the virus does not go into the nucleus of the cells and therefore is not able to therefore later come out and, and reinfect a person. And apparently that's why the WHO before 
was saying, well, look, there were cases of reinfections, so, um, you know, we have to watch out and, and, you know, there is no such thing as immunity. But now that seems to be squarely sh being shown to not be true. There, yeah, I, I saw an article about that. Did you did you look at the the studies behind that, or do you are you yeah. confident that that's? No, I have to look at them. Yeah. Okay. Okay, but I saw that too, and that's like, oh, that that's kind of kind of changes. Yeah, the... Guardian had an article about it that came out, I think, yesterday. So that and they hyperlink. Okay. And I'll I'll be linking to those in the. Um, I'm just making notes of things to link to here. Um, so. You know, to me, as someone who is very much opposed to mandatory vaccines and to and even to to this idea that you need to show your immunity status in order to go to work or to board an airplane or, you know, do all these things, um, you know, how, how do we fight this? How do we how do you what do we do? This is it's it seems like, you know, the sort of powers that be have this plan for us and all of a sudden, you know, here in the States, HIPAA laws are, you know, have just gone out the window and, and medical privacy doesn't exist anymore. What do we do? Well, I mean, a person can participate in demonstrations against, against all of this. I was at the one yesterday in downtown Toronto at our, our provincial legislature, but legislature, and uh, there was one the previous week, this week, yesterday's was a global, um, you know, every city is around the world. I was a journalist, but I was also there in support or in solidarity. Um, and so I think that's pretty important. And the more people that know that our people are standing up, the more they're going to say, wow, there are the people who say this is a problem. And uh, and I don't know, raising our voices in various ways. I, and there might be legal remedies, you know, saying this is unconstitutional or against the charter we have a constitution too in Canada, and there's also a charter of rights, so there might be some uh, legal cases that could be fought, but we're all imagining nightmare scenarios where we'll be absolutely forced to be vaccinated against our will, and even if we say we don't want, we'll still get vaccinated, and then we'll get thrown in jail or something if we resist. It's, uh, ooh, they're, they're working hard. And, and get this, in, in uh, Toronto last year, um, and it may well have happened at other cities around the world, our Board of Health uh, brought forward first April and then again in September a motion based on the WHO that that just like tobacco and you know advertising for tobacco is problematic and should be banned. Any views on any problems with any vaccines should be banished from the public domain. There should be nothing allowed, whether it's online or in print or in ads or on you know bulletins, whatever. That can't happen. And uh, and many of us came to that meeting and saying, well, this is a problem. And many people spoke about, well, there is this concept, well, there's the Nuremberg laws and they're, you know, from the war and, you know, you can't, this bodily autonomy, you can't inject things into people's bodies without their consent. And get this, the leader of the progressive wing of our city council, who's on our, our board, I'll name him, Gordon Perks. He spoke at the end, they all ignored what we said. They didn't ask a single question. And he said, well, there is no such thing as bodily autonomy anymore bodily autonomy anymore because well I was an environmental activist and leader before I became a politician so I know that there's a lot of pollution these days so that means that every the first time a baby takes its breath of uh, its first breath the first time a baby takes its breath a breath it breathes in pollution and that violates bodily autonomy so there is no such thing anymore as bodily autonomy I can send you the video clip wow and I would love to 